Welcome to Head to Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Markham. This bi-weekly podcast is designed to be a safe space to admit what we truly believe in our hearts. There's a huge difference between having biblical knowledge floating around in our heads and actually believing that it's true. Until God's truth makes its way into our hearts, nothing changes. We'll be doing a mix of solo episodes and interviews with friends who have experienced the freedom that comes when head knowledge becomes heart knowledge. We'll talk about overcoming lies in our relationships, mental health struggles, and the way we see ourselves. The truth will set you free so that you can walk every day in the freedom God desires for you. It's time to let go of those pressures, insecurities, and burdens. That's not yours to carry. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Head to Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Markham, and it is my joy to be bringing you an episode. And this episode, I am interviewing the second international guest I've ever interviewed. (laughs) The first guest that I interviewed was Kate Petrie. She's from Canada. And now we have Mary Ellen with us, who is in Australia, correct, Mary Ellen? That is right. I'm in Sydney, Australia. Well, I'm the, I'm so honored to be your second international guest. That is so awesome. It's a big deal for me, too. <laughs> okay. So would you mind just introducing yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, family, fun facts, anything else you want to add? Yeah, sure. First of all, thank you so much for having me on today. I'm, it's such an honor to be here. Um, so I, yeah, I'm Mary Ellen. I um, live in Sydney, Australia with my husband, Josh. It's just the two of us, no kids yet. Um, but yeah, I work as um, a freelance writer and illustrator from home. So that's like my main thing. Um, Mainly work for like Christian organizations and nonprofits at this point. Um, But the other thing I do is I'm an artist. So I paint pictures, share like words and poetry on my Instagram. And I also like to dabble in YouTube. Um, You you said like a fun fact about me? Yes. Anything you want to add? Um, Well, let me say I have owned close to 200 cats in my lifetime. What? Okay. what? <laughs> I know, random people are always like, "What the heck? That's amazing!" Um, yeah, my when I grew up, my family bred ragdoll kittens, so um, I'm a big cat person. Not that I'm like against dogs, but yes, love cats and have grown up with a lot of kittens around. So yeah, fun fact. <laughs> I literally was doing math in my head of like, how could this be? That's not possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Granted, it is over about a 20 year period. So like, you know, it, it kind of evens out. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. That's a good one. I will say Thank that's you. one of the better fun facts I've heard, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> okay. So Mary Ellen, what have you been set free from? I love this question so much. I think it's just so to the point. Um, to, to answer that in a question, I would say that I've been set free from the work equals worth equation that so many of us get caught up in. Um, to, I guess, elaborate on that, like we live in a post-industrial capitalist society, to use all those big fancy words, but in our society, like people are praised for their productivity, for how hard they work. You know, we get promotions, the workplace is just structured on that basis. And... I grew up with a lot of anxiety around this Um, when I was, for example, in primary school. I think you call it elementary school in the States. Yes. Um, Yes, yes, cool. (laughs) 
I was a big fish in a small pond. So I went to a, a small Christian school, beautiful school, but I developed this kind of a, and it's funny what things we develop from childhood that we like carry into our adult lives. Hey. Um, but yeah, I developed this kind of complex where I had to be the best and I had to be perfect. And I was always praised for like getting A's or, you know, coming first in the class, that kind of thing. So yeah, I sort of had that complex and because of that, I was really anxious and all throughout high school as well, I had this desperate need to prove myself, you know, to work hard and get the accolades and the rewards that came with that. And as a result, I sort of developed social anxiety because I felt like all of my friendships were like shallow um, surface level. Like they only liked me because I could give them stuff or because, you know, I was the A grade student sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. And I even carry this into uni uh, or college. Um, uni, and so I started- that's so uni. cute. <laughs> I want to yeah, go to uni. <laughs> Feel free. I mean, it's all, it's all yours. Um, yeah, go so in, in university, I um, studied something that I didn't really enjoy. I studied law because I wanted to prove my, you know, work equals worth equation. I wanted to show off how intelligent or capable I was, whatever. But for those five years that I studied that I did finish, but I have never used that degree and hated every minute of it. No hate to lawyers out there. I so admire what you do. I think it's amazing, but it's just not for me. Um, And so, yeah, I was kind of depressed, had a lot of anxiety around it. And then God sort of carried me out of that. And here I am like five years later and I'm an illustrator and a writer. So like go figure. But um, yeah, it's, it's been a journey. Definitely. Wow, those are completely opposite things to be an artist and a writer, and yet you studied law. (laughs) Yeah, yes. And when I like reflect on how that kind of happened, like I was always into art, I was always a creative, and going from high school into uni. Uh, I really wanted to study art and graphic design and that kind of thing. But I was sort of advised, no, no, you've got the good grades. You should do something more difficult. So I did to like prove myself. But then I sort of failed things. And there was one point in that experience during uni where I just got out of like a four-year relationship, just broken up with someone. Um, I just lost my job. I just found out that my uni had like stuffed up my degree. So I had to like do another six months. I was miserable, had no friends. And so it's funny how God uses like our really low points to bring us out and teach us. And so there was sort of a six month period during my uni, like toward the end of it, where I was um, yeah, really low. I did a lot of journaling and God just met me where I was at. He came so close and I had just this most intense, beautiful relationship with him. And ever since then, I've sort of just, yeah, walked in my true identity, who I am, not who everyone else wants me to be. So you graduated uni, if we'll, we'll call it that, um, <laughs> your university around age 23. And then in those two years, how old are you now, Mary Ellen? I'm 26 now. Okay. So in between 23 and 25, what did your life consist of? If it changed so much between what you studied and what you actually did? Yeah, no, God, man, God is so good. He led me in so many ways. Um, I guess the main thing that consist my life consisted of in those two years was I was working at a magazine, a Christian magazine 
as a writer, graphic designer, kind of just because the thing is I'd always dabbled in those things on the side during uni. So, for example, I was part of the law society on campus, but I was their like graphic designer communications specialist. So I was, you know, doing all the designs and stuff. So I always knew I wanted to do it. And one of my best friend's mums actually worked at this magazine and she said, hey, we're hiring, you should apply because I know you've got these skills. And I was like, okay, cool. So I did and I got the job and then yeah, I spent, it was close to three years actually working there. Um, look, I loved it. I eventually sort of realized that God had bigger plans for me and that I was sort of, yeah, stagnating there a little bit, but it taught me so much. And it's really the reason that I've been able to launch into my freelance kind of career, quote unquote, now. Uh, yeah, that's what I was doing. Yeah. And so when you turn 25, yeah, <laughs> I already know from just the content you've created that's on YouTube and blog posts. So when you turn 25, you mentioned feeling kind of a quarter life crisis in yeah. a way. So can you define what quarter life crisis is first for any listeners who are not familiar with that term? Okay. And then talk to us a little bit about what that felt like for you. Yeah, sure. So I guess a quarter life crisis for those, I mean, I feel like everyone can kind of intuit what that means, but there are sort of a set of unspoken rules that we hold as a society. Every society probably has different rules, but typically when you're in your twenties, you're meant to you know, study something, get a job you love, earn money, maybe get married or be in a long-term relationship, hopefully get a place to live somewhere. There's just all these check boxes that we like to tick off, right? Mm-hmm. And a quarter-life quarter life crisis can happen when you take some time and look at your life and realize, hey, I haven't ticked off as many of these things as I should have by now, as society deems normal by now. I'm looking around at all my friends and they've all, they're all in relationships or they've, they've all got jobs that they love. I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm having a quarter-life crisis. Mm-hmm. And so when I was going through mine, I guess it's sort of difficult to even define it as such because you could have multiple quarter life crises, right? It's not just like this one intense period. It can be an extended Mm -hmm. thing. It can be a repeated thing. But yeah, when I was having mine, I felt just really anxious, I think, generally speaking, because I didn't know what I was really doing, which sounds so dumb because at the time I I just got married. I just moved into a new place. I was working full-time at this magazine job, but I just felt unsettled, like there was more for me and that I hadn't sort of followed what I felt God deep down was calling me to. So yeah, it was this this unsettling time of life. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're right. It doesn't have to happen just when someone turns 25. That's like a quarter of your life, if you want to say. But I relate to those feelings. Um, I think last, okay, I'm going to turn 24 really soon. Uh-huh. So I think when I was 22, I was feeling those things. And my life had just taken a really big shift. Like I got married we moved into an apartment and then I started like two new jobs. So I relate to that unsettled feeling of like, I'm doing these things and they're all new, but is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Or um, am I really like fulfilling my purpose? And, but we're still so young. So it's a lot of pressure to put on us. Definitely. And this is the thing as well, because it's actually not even about, the things that you have achieved or not achieved. I think the reason that we experience this feeling, especially in our mid twenties is because for all of our life up until that point, we've been in primary school, high school, university, 
So all of those things, you know, they're very structured. You've got your cohort, your peers, they're all the same age as you. They're all doing the same things as you. Even at uni, which is like a bit more flexible, a bit more, you got a bit more independence and choice. You're still in a four-year, five-year, whatever it is, degree that you're completing. So you've got exams, you've got things to tick off. And then suddenly you turn 20-something, right? And you're sort of spat out into the real world. And suddenly you realize, <laughs> hey, like there are no rules anymore. I might have a boss who's telling me what to do, but I can go home and stay up whenever I want. I can eat cereal for dinner. Like it's just, it's wild, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so you sort of, you freak out and you're like, is this normal? I need someone to tell me it's normal, but there's no one to do that because the only people doing that are the people around you going through the same thing because they used to define what normal is and now everyone's doing their own thing. So yeah, it's, it's weird, hey? <laughs> you're right, you're right. And then we're surrounded by not just people who are our exact age and in our exact grade, but we may be surrounded by people who are 30, 40, a little bit older than us, maybe a little bit younger than us. No one's doing the same exact thing. It is a whole nother thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's also kind of unsettling sometimes because there's not only the people in real life but then there's the people on social media that you're looking at as well mm-hmm. and you see these you know 18 year olds with 20 million followers on TikTok and you're like I'm such a failure what is my <laughs> life you know yeah. so there's that added pressure as well which is probably not fair mm-hmm. but yeah yeah a lot of pressure so yeah. I think that's one of the things we can identify okay that social media for sure is a contributor contributor for this feeling of not being good enough for this stage in your life can you identify anything else that was causing you to compare your life pace to other people's life pace yeah totally um I would say if I I want to get deep about it like social media is totally one that we can all tick off the list I think everyone struggles with that but for me personally when I look deep down at the root cause of it it was just a lack of trust in God's plan for me because again, when I struggled with this work equals worth equation, I felt only valuable when I was productive and I was achieving things. And like, yes, I've overcome that to a large extent, but I feel like I will always struggle with that just a little bit. God has set me free and he will always be setting me free from that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I felt like I had to do all the heavy lifting. God might have a plan for me, but I have to get up off the couch and like work hard and do this and hustle here and, and whatever. And God's been teaching me that actually in order for me to use you, Mary Ellen, you have to say no to things. You have to rest. You have to take time away. So that's been one lesson. Um, But yeah, a lack of trust in God's plan for me specifically was causing me to compare my life. And then the other thing I think, and I think actually a lot of Christian girls struggle with this. I see a lot in my own circle struggling with this is that I didn't recognize my own unique characteristics, my own special personality and who I was. Because growing up in the church, I think, and like not even just the church, just in society in general, we have rules about who we should be and what we should look like. But especially in the church, girls are meant to sort of be people pleasers and they're meant to act a certain way and look a certain way and be gentle and this and that and the other. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to fit into a mold that I thought was appropriate that I thought God would be proud of, you know, like the people at church would be proud of this good little Christian girl. And I didn't acknowledge or take up the space that I think I was worthy of at the time. 
um, I was trying to, for example, you know, get a nine to five job. And now I look at myself and I'm like, but I'm a creative. I'm like this spastic person who's just always, you know, got different ideas and I just don't mm -hmm. work on that, um, yeah, timeline kind of a thing. So I didn't recognize the gifts that God had given me and the personality that God had given me. And I didn't, yeah, allow myself to take up the space that I had the right to, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So how did you start to cultivate joy and contentment with right where you were at at the time? Yeah, great question. I think, and this is a bit of a buzzword thing. It has been, I think, especially like during the pandemic, I saw a lot of content about it on social media and stuff, but gratitude, right? Being grateful, focusing on what you do have rather than what you don't. And it sounds way simplistic. And I was always a bit skeptical of it before I started practicing it. But now I do a lot of journaling and um, gratitude is a big part of that. So I sort of nurture myself and I'll even like write to myself and be like, Mary Ellen, I'm so proud of you. And we can be so grateful for this. We can be so grateful for that. Mm. But when it comes to joy, I think, um, yeah, gratitude is one thing. But the Bible talks a lot about joy coming from the Lord directly. Uh, Nehemiah 8.10 talks about the joy of the Lord is my strength. Psalm 16 talks about God's presence being the fullness of joy. And when I was really caught up in this whole work equals worth thing, I was exhausted. I was burnt out. I always felt like every single spare minute of my day had to be filled with something productive. But since then, I've learned to keep the Sabbath as kind of talked about in the Ten Commandments, right? Mm -hmm. And I actually grew up like in a denomination where we do quote unquote keep Sabbath, but like I never understood what that was. Um, and so now I keep it and I spend 24 hours every single week just being, just like resting, sitting on the couch, being out in nature, whatever it is. And um, I'm no longer kind of afraid of spending that quiet time because I used to have all these, these intrusive thoughts come in and like mm -hmm. I used to get anxious being in my own company or like even communing with God. But now that I am keeping so much more joy because I've realized like, yes, I can work as hard as I want to, but I can't save myself. You know, I mm -hmm. can't, I might be able to earn a salary, but at the end of the day, God is the one in control of that. God is the one giving that to me. So when I spend that 24 hours with him, I sort of remember where my joy comes from, where my hope comes from. I can spend time in nature and like just absorb the beauty that is around me, be in the moment. So yeah, Sabbath has been a really big thing for me and cultivating joy. Mm -hmm. Have you read the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry? Yes, John Mark Coma. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, yes. I love that one. It's so good. Yes. I just read it in November. Oh, and wow. we're, now we're recording this in January. It was life-changing. <laughs> right? And his story is so compelling as well, like being a megachurch pastor and being burnt out and stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know, totally recommend that book to any listener who wants to be set free from this like work equals worth thing it's yeah it was life-changing yeah. for me too totally yes it was so good yeah before reading that book I thought I had a sabbath <laughs> okay then after reading that book I was like wow I really need to change how I do sabbath <laughs> yeah yeah totally so I'm curious what do your sabbaths now look like <laughs> that's an interesting question um so I am a young adult leader at my local church so <laughs> 
during it's funny during the pandemic when we were all at home and all kind of like not able to go to church I really learned what Sabbath meant because I didn't have any obligations or like Mm -hmm. things that I had to do now um I really just try and spend time with God in the morning I try and get out in nature as much as possible and it's there's a lot of social time right so Sabbath is like my social day to spend with friends we laugh we have food together we just commune and just you know do life together because so often my Sunday to Friday is just full of work and I don't have time to do that so I love Sabbath for that reason but yeah I think my ideal Sabbath would probably be a lot slower a lot more just like feeding the grass you know picking my tomato plant making a nice salad whatever um it would be really really slow but I just keep Sabbath as best I can in the situation that I'm in I suppose how about you how does your Sabbath look I'm so curious well my Sabbath originally looked like um kind of spending the day at home and it looked like I had I couldn't do it on Sundays had to do it on Saturdays because Uh Sundays I was like I go to church so um feels kind of like a little bit of an obligation not saying it's not restful but Mm -hmm. I am saying like I do have to be somewhere at a time a certain time you know yeah so on Saturdays I would just kind of do relaxing quote unquote things, but I'd still, um, be on my phone a lot. I would not necessarily make a priority to go outside and enjoy nature. I would just kind of take a break. It was almost like I was removing myself from homework from my job, but I wasn't like replacing that time with anything super life-giving. I see. Yep. And so after that book, by John Mark Comer, I decided I was like, I have to like fill that time with things I really deeply enjoy. So Mm -hmm. now I make sure I'm not on my phone on my Sabbath. That's a huge stressor removed right there. Yes. Yep. And then make sure I'm going outside. Um, and I just try to think, okay, what may be life-giving for me one week may not feel life-giving to me the next week, depending on the week Mm -hmm. I've had. So that could be having a meal with friends or it could be just being by myself and um, spending most of my day in solitude. It could be either one of those depending on the week. Can I ask you a question? What's holding you back? Do you have a fear of failure or rejection in your career? Are you burnt out or do you have conflict in your marriage that you can't seem to get past? Do you need to be discipled as you go through a life transition? Kate Petrie was a guest on this podcast, and she's a coach that helps leaders be transformed in Christ so they can serve others with clear strategy and confidence. Those are two things we all need a little bit more of, right? You may be wondering, she coaches leaders, so how do I know if I'm a leader? A leader is just simply someone who serves others. So you could be a mom, an employee, an intern, a ministry volunteer, any role that serves other people. Kate coaches her clients to evaluate their fears and shift their mindset to follow God's word so they could overcome whatever is getting in the way of their goals and dreams. Because transformation doesn't happen alone, right? You need to have the right people around you to support you and ask you the right and sometimes difficult questions. I know I would not be who I am or where I am today without the right people and coaches in my life. You can book an absolutely free discovery call with Kate today where you'll find clarity about what's holding you back 
strategic steps to start moving forward, and a lot of encouragement in your God-given purpose. So you can go to katepetrie.com coaching to book your free call today. And don't worry, I already put the link in the show notes for you. So go ahead, book your free call, and we'll jump right back into your episode. Yeah, actually, when it comes to Sabbath, I, there's a metaphor I would love to share if we have time. Once, like, well, I grew up keeping Sabbath, but I never understood what that meant, as I as I said. And I once heard this pastor talk about it in the sense that, imagine that there are two brothers, and both of them grew up surfing. They're living in Byron Bay. They're, like, loving their surfing life. One of the brothers goes and becomes an accountant, but the other brother goes and becomes a professional surfer, right? He's in competitions. He's like winning all the medals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now a Sabbath comes around and both of these brothers go to the beach and the accountant brother is like, yes, the surf, it's so replenishing for me. It brings back all these wonderful childhood memories. I find it relaxing. I'm going to go out and praise God in the surf. I'm going to go surfing. I'm going to have a great time. Whereas the other competitive surfer, he's like, hmm, see, when I go out into the surf, I find it a stressful experience. I'm trying to perform. I'm trying to like perfect my craft. So I'm going to stay and worship on the sand. And Mm -hmm. so just to illustrate that, like, you're so right. Some weeks we've had like an accounting job week and we just want to get out in nature and we just want to shred some waves or whatever. But other weeks we've had a really busy week all out in nature and we just want to stay at home and drink a cup of hot cocoa or something you know mm-hmm. so it's just about doing something that brings you joy that you don't get to do during your normal week yeah so good that is so good <laughs> especially for extroverts and like I love people but maybe I need a long time <laughs> yeah 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 totally yeah. totally so I am so curious what you're you want to expound on for this next question because mm-hmm. I've been trying to articulate this in my own life But how can we balance being content in the present, being, um, you know, cultivating gratitude, like we mentioned, not striving to be somewhere else at the moment, but be content where we're at in life while simultaneously working towards our desires or goals that we have for the future? Oh, man. See, you just asked such good questions. I was, (laughs) oh, I'm so impressed by the depth of your questions. So yeah, this is something I used to struggle with a lot, like being content right now, but like seeing where I could be and even like trying to be happy for other people who are achieving all their goals when I'm not like, you want to be happy for them, but you're like, oh, but like, I wish I'm so jealous, that kind of thing. The first thing that really, really helped me in that process was, as I sort of mentioned before, recognizing my own uniqueness in Christ recognizing that I'm not like anyone else. I'm going to move at my own pace. Life is not a competition. Um, I have a unique voice and I'm just beautiful to God. I'm uniquely crafted, right? So just Mm -hmm. living in that reality frees me up so much to just live life at my own pace. However, when it comes to like setting goals for the future, but also being content with now, this sounds really like morbid maybe, but when you be, when you become Go aware, ahead, say yeah, okay. When you become aware of your mortality and your need for Christ to literally like put breath in your lungs every single day to make your heart beat, like life is a miracle, right? Every day that we wake up, it's like a gift. And so, 
beginning to operate from that mindset, I'm like, well, my goals for the future are fantastic, but like, I can't control any of that. Like, God forbid, any of us could be hit by a bus tomorrow, you know, my life could be over. So I'm happy to plan toward the future and that's fine. That's a good thing, but I have to be content and happy in what I'm doing now. And if for whatever reason, what I'm doing right now is not enjoyable at all in order to get to that goal, I'm going to revisit that because I want to be enjoying the process because again, life is transient. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? I want to be enjoying as many moments as I can in my day um, and like adjust my goals accordingly. So yeah, that's, that's, I guess what I would share, but you said you've wrestled with this question a bit as well. Yeah. I like what you said because it implies that our goals are not something we have to keep with a death grip. You know, we, if we, like you said earlier, genuinely trust that God has good plans for us we can hold our goals with open hands, knowing that no matter what happens, we will be okay. I love that. Open hands, mm-hmm. that's such a beautiful picture. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, for me, I've literally been thinking to myself, you know, I'm so happy the Lord has cultivated contentment within uh, me and taught me how to do that and that I've grown so much. But then I've been thinking well is it wrong for me to have goals or how do I know that I'm I'm not holding on to those goals and dreams too tightly but yet still moving towards them so um I've just been thinking about that and God's been reminding me you know like I never said to not have goals (laughs) I never said to not dream and to not want more but it is possible to be content and yet still want more in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said as well, because something that I've learned is that God actually honors our desires. I think a Mm. lot of the time, at least for me personally, I saw my desires, like I want to be an artist or I want to, you know, write books. That is not being like helpful to anyone and not like glorifying God as much as it should. But actually when you are happy and you are seeking after the things that you desire. That's like the best expression of God's love, right? God's joy in you because you're just living Mm -hmm. your best life. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, just realizing that God cares about what you want and he wants you to have goals is also a freeing thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Good point. (laughs) So what final encouragement would you give to a listener who is currently feeling discouraged with where she's at in life right now? What would you just say to her? to give her the best pep talk of your life (laughs) yeah totally well first of all you're not alone I have been there I will be there in the future like this is a universal experience and it's totally normal so don't feel like you can't share with someone or like quote-unquote burden them with what you're going through because yeah to be able to connect about this topic is just such a cathartic experience right Mm -hmm. um but I guess what I would say is like you may not believe it and it may feel wrong for you even say this, but you are exactly where you need to be. You're exactly where you need to be because God's timing is perfect. And the, the Bible is very biblical. The Bible says that almost word for word in Daniel, I think it is. And so we don't understand that and we can't comprehend that. Like God lives in probably infinite dimensions. We live in four. And so God is going to use whatever experience you're going through, whatever disappointment or even good things that you're going through to grow you and teach you. And like life is not a competition. So you are exactly where you need to be. 
but the other thing I would say is like as a very practical tool, something that helped me was thinking about how proud my five-year-old version of me would be of me, mm -hmm. right? So just the fact that, you know, we're most of us probably in our 20s, maybe graduating college, whatever, and we have to adult now. Like that's a hard thing, right? And your five-year-old self would be like, wow, this is this girl, this guy, he's so cool. Like, I want to be them when I grow up. And there's actually like, it's it's a fairly low barrier to entry for that sort of thing. Because like, <laughs> most five-year-olds think, wow, you're so cool. Um, but also like, you know, God loves you more than you could ever conceive or imagine, regardless of what you do, but also what you don't do whatever your desires or your dreams are, like there's no hierarchy here. Nothing you can do or do will make God love you any more or any less. And so mm -hmm. I think when you truly internalize that and like that's a journey, I'm still on that journey. It's like I don't think we can ever finish that journey, but that gives you the freedom to pursue whatever your dreams are no matter what anyone thinks. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so that's probably a bit of a long pep talk. Um, no, great pep talk. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> it sounds like what you're saying in some of that is that it is normal for us all to go at our natural paces. Yeah, absolutely. And we will all do different things probably. So yeah. it's normal that you're not going to be at the same place as the person next to you. Yeah. And again, just your twenties are the time where you have to learn that. And that's a tough thing to learn because you've been programmed your whole life to think differently, but I think, yeah, the, the more that time goes on and the more that you just adults, basically, the easier it gets because you realize that, you know, you can be 35 and living in your parents' basement and then suddenly you have like a multi-million dollar business and overnight, like your life changes. And like the opposite can also be true. You can be totally successful and the next day you can lose your job or bad things can happen. So like life is transient. We should never compare to anyone else because we don't know what struggles they're secretly going through or what they will go through in the future as well. So, yep. Yeah. such a good point yeah mary ellen i cannot thank you enough for being Aww. our second international guest on head to heart it was so oh, fun it was such a privilege thank you so much um this was a great chat i could chat about this for forever so yeah thanks jenny and i'll make sure to link everything social everything <laughs> on the internet where people could find you i will link those in Aww. the show notes. thank you so much Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Head to Heart Podcast. It's a joy to record them and a joy to have you listen. I love hearing from you. So if any part of this episode was helpful, go ahead, share it on your Instagram story and tag us. The handle is head to heart underscore podcast. And if you would be so kind, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or our website. It helps out the show so much when you do. We'll be releasing episodes to you every other Friday, so stay tuned and thanks for joining us.